What are you passionate about? Your answer to that question determines a lot about how you think, speak, and act in the world today. Let me ask this question another way. Is eternal life in God's kingdom so valuable to you that you would be willing to give up everything for it? Now that's a very serious question. One which every person has to face, whether they ask it of themselves or not. And that's what I see in the kingdom parables of Jesus in Matthew 13. He gave us kingdom parables. And in these parables, he showed his disciples and us today just how important it is to look forward to his kingdom and help others find it. Now, we studied about the sower and the seeds. And Pray So Grow is about how we come close to God and then we sow seeds. We share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Folks, Jesus is good news. He's great news. If you haven't tried Jesus, you ought to try Jesus because Jesus is the best part of life. You see, He gives you a fulfillment in your heart and life that nothing else can give. He can give you joy that nothing, like nothing else can bring. He can help you get through the, the rocky times of this life. Have you ever had rocky times? Oh, I have. You ever had the thorns kind of grow up like you felt like you were engulfed, like you were surrounded and overwhelmed? I have. And at times like that, I have found that Jesus can get me through. My faith in Jesus gets me through. So Jesus showed us in these kingdom parables that eternal life is by far the greatest thing that we could ever have. The most important thing we could ever have is a place in God's kingdom. That's the most important hope we could have. Jesus once asked the question, what profit is there if a person would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, I can answer that question. If you lose your soul, you've lost everything. And conversely, if you gain the kingdom of God, you have the most important treasure you could ever have. That knowledge, that kingdom truth is what this world so desperately needs we should remember that the most important thing to the heart of God is the redemption of a fallen human race. It was so important that God put on flesh Himself in the person of Jesus. He suffered and died on an old rugged cross to pay for our sins. You know, if eternal life in His kingdom was that important to Jesus, then it ought to be that important to us. To get into the kingdom, it cost Jesus everything. For us to get into the kingdom, he had to give up everything. And today I want each of us to consider how much we would be willing to give of ourselves to help another person get into God's kingdom. It might be a friend or a brother or a sister or a daughter or a stranger. But just how, how much is it worth to you that someone would enter God's kingdom. Today, people are passionate about a lot of earthly things, a lot of earthly causes. But I believe we need a kingdom passion, a real desire for people to accept Jesus and enter His kingdom. As Christians, nothing will be more important to us than that. If we will get the right focus, a kingdom focus, where we can see people like Jesus saw them, 
and develop a kingdom passion, a genuine desire to help others know Jesus Christ and enter His kingdom, that's when powerful things will begin to happen. Listen, you don't need to make things happen for God. You don't need to make things happen for God's kingdom. God knows exactly what He's doing. All God wants you to do is be willing for Him to use you to help someone else know Him. That's when powerful things will happen in your life. God wants to save this world, so He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, into the world. And Jesus wants everyone to hear the gospel, the good news. So He sends you and I with His good news into the world where He has placed us to tell them. And we need to tell them. If we will do our part for God's kingdom by reaching out with a kingdom passion, it will make a difference in how people hear and receive our message. A kingdom passion will show our world that our faith is real. When people see that we really care about them, God can use that to draw people to Himself. If you have your Bibles, turn to, Mark, to Matthew 13. As we look at what it means to have that kingdom passion, Matthew 13. If you're willing and able, would you stand as we honor God's Word this morning? And I hope you've already been blessed like I have. Boy, hasn't that music been wonderful, the worship? Just to think about Jesus coming, to sing about it. See, as you've been singing, that's why we ought to sing when we at least mouth the words. You say the words. If you can't sing, just say the words because that's worship. And God loves that worship. Okay, let's take a look. Uh, beginning in verse 44. Pray so grow, kingdom passion. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls when, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word, for the opportunity to share it together today. I pray, God, that our minds and hearts would be open to what your Holy Spirit would want to say to each one of us. So that, Lord, so that if we don't have that personal relationship with you, that today we would want Jesus and we would invite you to come into our lives and rule over us. Lord, if we have been saved, I pray that the passion that we once had for you would be restored. And Lord, that with a passion for you, we'd have a passion for others to know you. And God, that we would be willing to be seeds in your hand, that you might throw us wherever you want to, that people might hear about the wonderful news of our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Pray so grow kingdom passion. 
I read a story about passion at a passion play. Several years ago, at a passion play, you know what a passion play is, the, the, it's the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection. So several years ago at a passion play, an incident took place during Jesus carrying the cross. A man in the audience was heckling the character playing Jesus, throwing out jeers, taunts, and dares. Finally, the character could no longer tolerate the heckler. He dropped the cross and went over, and he punched out the man. Well, the director was aghast. And after the play, he pulled the actor aside and he told him in no uncertain terms that he was never to do that again. But the next night, that old same heckler was back, and again the same thing happened. Jesus this time had to be restrained. The director called the actor in and gave him an ultimatum of either quitting playing Jesus or keep, keeping his composure. Well, the young actor assured the director he would keep himself under control. The third night, the heckler was present again and he taunted even stronger than the two previous nights. The man playing Jesus rose to his full stature. He gritted his teeth and he told the heckler, Hey, I'll see you after the resurrection. The man who played Jesus had a passion to stop that heckler and get the real message of the cross and the resurrection to those people that were listening. The man just did it in the wrong way. You know, when we look at the life of Jesus in the New Testament, we see that he also was driven by a passion, a passion for others. And by that I mean Jesus had a passion for others to know the truth of God's love and life and how to enter that kingdom. He only had three years to launch the kingdom campaign and train his disciples to keep it going. He had a kingdom passion. How else could we explain the tireless commitment Jesus had to helping people? From one scripture account, we see an active Jesus. I mean, in just a couple of days... He preached the truth of the kingdom to thousands. He got into a boat with his disciples. He went across the Sea of Galilee and calmed a storm at sea that threatened to sink them. He went ashore over in, in Gadara and he set a man free from a legion of demons. And then he got back into the boat and went back across the Sea of Galilee. He was then met by a man named Jairus who had a daughter who was dying. He was on the way to Jairus' house when a woman touched the hem of his garment and he healed her from a severe blood disorder. Then he made it to Jairus' home and he went and raised his little girl to life because she had died. She died, he raised her to life. Then he went out of that house, he healed two blind men. And after all that, Matthew wrote, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing, how much of the sickness did he heal? Healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, how many is that? Thousands. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus to have healed thousands of people? I mean, really. He laid his hands on thousands of people in one day. Folks, if I were to ask you, go lay your hands on everybody in this place. 
you'd start at one side and you'd go across. By the time you got to the other side, you said, man, that's a lot of people. But imagine being with thousands, laying your hands on thousands. Why did Jesus do that? Because he had a passion for people to enter his kingdom. That's why Jesus talked about his kingdom more than anything else, because it meant everything. There's nothing more important than the reign of God being restored to this world. I say restored because at one time this world was under the rule and reign of God. God created a perfect world. But man, in league with the devil, messed it up. When God created the world, it was perfect. His kingdom reign was on the earth as it is in heaven. Adam and Eve's disobedience brought God's judgment to this earth and upon all mankind for all ages. All the sorrow in the world, your sorrow, all the sorrow in the world grew from that one seed of disobedience to God. And that's why man must be born again and the earth must be created again. And it will be when the kingdom reign of God returns to this earth. When Jesus comes back, as Quentin and the ladies were were singing about, when Jesus returns to earth, every wicked person will be destroyed. When His reign comes into a life, now the heart and mind of a man or woman is transformed. We're transformed when Jesus comes in. Almighty God does not share His throne with anyone, not His throne in heaven, nor His throne on earth. Right now, God's throne on earth is in the hearts and lives of every believer. But there's coming a day when Christ Jesus will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule the whole earth. On that day, everything's going to change. Everything. There will be no more sin, no more jails, no more sickness, no death, no more hospitals, no more policemen, no more judges, no more senators, no more presidents, no more governments, because King Jesus will be in charge. Isaiah the prophet talked about it. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface, and scatters abroad its inhabitants. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones and on the earth the kings of the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and, it will, be shut up, and will be shut up in the prison. After many days they will be punished. Then the moon will be disgraced and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before His elders, before His believers gloriously. There's, this is the kingdom of which Jesus spoke. His future kingdom reign on earth, which will certainly come. There's nothing anyone can do to stop Jesus from returning and ruling and reigning over the entire earth. And I personally don't believe it's going to be very much longer. No matter how evil men become, no matter how wicked our culture or how, how dark our world, Jesus is coming just as He said. And when He returns, He will not wear a cross, but He will wear many crowns. That's when the prayer of God's saints will be answered. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That that prayer is going to be answered. Oh, how I long for that prayer to be answered. How I long 
for that day to come. I am so ready for Jesus to return. We are living in a time like none of us here have ever witnessed. A time of unprecedented evil. There's always been immorality, homosexuality, widespread adultery, even the worship of false gods. That's always been. But there's never been a day when people have denied the most basic laws of nature and nature's God. The truth that God made them male and female. Since the dawn of history, there's never been a day when adults tried to force children to believe that they really are not a boy or a girl, they're something else. There's never been a day when adults mutilated little children to try to turn a boy into a girl or a girl into a boy. There's never been a day like that. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard of. This is our day, a day of confusion. A day when lies are pushed as truth. A woke culture that is a satanic culture. It is a day of control. When evil men want to control not only our government, our education system, our media, but they want to control the church as well. They want you to embrace their false religion because it's leading to a global economy and a global system of government where one day an antichrist will tell you what you must believe. And if you don't follow his religion, you'll not be able to buy food or anything else because you will not be able to get his mark, his account number, that's going to give you access to his kingdom. You see, that's ultimately what it's all about. Listen, folks. Is Jesus coming again? Yes. But before, before he comes, this world is going to be, going to be controlled. Controlled. Controlled by Satan through people and ultimately through one, one human being. It's happening all around us, folks. What is happening in the world around us is part of Satan's plan. And that's, what's, we'll, and that's why there are powerful forces in the world that are trying to get you and I to the point where we will accept being controlled every part of our lives will be controlled by human leaders. Even to, even abandon, Satan wants you to get to the place where you will even abandon your Christian values and your Christian liberty. Because you see, if you'll give a human being complete control of your life, then that'll, that'll move God out. That'll keep God out. When we abandon the faith of our fathers, we replace it with something else, something that is forced upon us. And that's why Christians need to pay attention to what's going on around us. Now, how many of you remember a day? We might call it a gentler, kinder, kinder day. A day when you could go into a, even a public school classroom and hear a teacher read a Bible verse and pray. Is there anybody in here that can remember that day? Okay, there's some hands go up. You're, old, you're like myself. You're getting older, but you can remember that. I remember that. It was a pretty good day, too, folks. I mean, it was not perfect, but you had a lot of, a lot of uh, nuclear families, you know, uh, families together. And you had a lot of people who went to church, and America called itself a Christian nation. We called ourselves that. Would you say that kind of day helped or hurt our children? What do you think? Was it a help or a hurt? To have the Bible read and prayer and pledge and all. Was that, was that good or bad for our children? 
I say it was good for them. It helped children. It, it helped them have self-esteem to know that God created them in His image. And God has a perfect plan for their lives that leads all the way to His kingdom. There was nothing wrong with having Jesus in the public arena. Our nation was founded by men and women of faith. From the pilgrims at Plymouth to the authors of the Declaration and Constitution of Philadelphia. Our nation was founded and our laws formed upon, framed from the Judeo-Christian values found in the Bible. God's Word gave us hope as a nation. And still could if we had turned back to it. People need hope. Hope in an all-knowing and all-powerful God. Hope in an eternal life in God's kingdom. So where did it all go? Where did the innocence of our children go? Where did the respect for our nation's flag and our respect for others and our respect for authority and for the church go? Where did our respect for God go? When did our nation go down the drain spiritually? I'll tell you when it happened. It happened in my lifetime. When Christians lost their passion for God. When they stopped looking for and talking about Jesus. Without faith in God's kingdom, there is no hope for the future. Listen, without faith in God's kingdom, there is no hope for the future. Dear church, you and I, people of faith, we must start telling others again that the kingdom of God is the most important thing we could ever have. We need a passion for the kingdom. That's what Jesus was teaching in these kingdom parables. Look, look at it with me again. Again, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. How much did he sell? All. In both of these parables, there's something to be greatly treasured. In the first parable, a man was searching for buried treasure, and he found it in a field. Now, let me tell you about the first parable. In the first parable, the man was probably a poor tenant farmer. And he was working someone's field. And he came across a treasure. And he covered it back up. And he kept working. And then he went and he sold all that he had, and he bought the field. You see? That's probably what was happening in this passage of Scripture. Jesus was talking to poor people. How much did the treasure cost the man? Everything. How much was the man willing to pay? Everything. Everything he had. He sold it all. The man paid a huge price to purchase the whole field so that he might own the treasure in it. That treasure meant more to him than anything in the world. He was passionate about it. Then there was the next parable. A buyer of pearls searching through pearls. You know, pearls have always been valuable. Valuable as jewelry, you know. 
In ancient times, it was a real treasure. There were some very expensive pearls. So this time, a treasure hunter, a, per, a merchant, probably a wealthy man, was searching for valuable pearls. Like the treasure hunter in the first parable, this man found a treasure also. His treasure was one pearl, which was more valuable than any other. He called it a pearl of great price. Now this man had looked through a lot of pearls. Remember, he's a merchant of pearls. He's a pearl buyer. And he is searching through a lot of pearls. When he came and he found this one pearl that he saw was value, so valuable, more than anything, any other pearl he'd seen, it was so valuable, such a treasure that it was worth all he could pay. And he went and he sold all that he had and he bought it. Again, how much did this treasure cost this man? Everything. And how much was the man willing to pay? Everything. So now let's put it together with what Jesus said. The kingdom of heaven is a treasure that is worth giving up everything. Whether poor or rich, everything means everything. That's the passion Jesus is searching for in us. A passion for Him to rule in our lives and in the lives of the people around us to rule our world. What makes God's kingdom so valuable to us? Well, I believe there's three things. Number one, because there is only... Read it with me. There is only one kingdom like it. That's true, isn't it? There's only one kingdom of heaven. There's only one. God has only one kingdom. All right, the second thing. Read it with me. There is only one way into it. That makes it pretty valuable. Only one like it anywhere. And there's only one way to get into it. And then thirdly, once you have the kingdom, it's yours forever. Your place in God's kingdom, that's a treasure, folks. That's the greatest treasure you have because it's a forever treasure. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that Jesus got a place for you forever? Amen? Everlasting life is forever. <laughs> Resurrection life. Eternal life is kingdom life. When you invite Jesus into your heart, you receive His life inside you, and His life is eternal life, kingdom life. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, and every believer that has invited Jesus Christ into his, his or her life, in that life, Jesus is ruling and reigning on the throne of that life. Now, we might not always act like it. We might mess up. But you cannot receive Jesus as your Savior unless you receive Him as your King, as your Lord. The Apostle Paul said, This is the message we preach. Would you read the message? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You know, when I believe by faith that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, 
and rose from the dead. And I confess with my words and my actions that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. That's when the King comes to live within me. That's when He comes to sit on the throne of my heart and life. That's when He transforms my body into His temple of worship and sacrifice. That's when the personal relationship with God begins, when Jesus is truly living and reigning in our lives. And we are willingly giving Him everything. And everything means everything. From that moment on, when Jesus comes to rule in us, He, don't ju- he doesn't just come to save us, to save us, means to rule in the only way he can save us is to take over you see the only way he can save us from the penalty of our sins is to transform us into his throne room and when he comes to live in our, our lives you know what happens that's when we belong to jesus because we give him everything you cannot be saved if you're going to keep back part of yourself from jesus you can't just come to church and you're saved. You can't just be baptized and you're saved. You just can't take communion and you're saved. You can't just pray a prayer and you're saved. True salvation is when the King comes to rule and reign in your life. We belong to Jesus. And that's where a passion for kingdom begins. A passion for His kingdom begins this way. Kingdom principle. Read the kingdom principle. Are you ready? A passion for the kingdom starts with a passion for the King. It's King Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are instructed, you shall love the Lord with all of your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, how much of of you is your heart, soul, mind, and strength? All of you. All of you. We are to love the Lord with all of us. All our, every part of us. That's what we really need today if we ever hope to turn our world back to God. Let me ask you this question. This came from a man in the Old Testament. Does this sound like you? My soul thirsts for God. Does that sound like you? What about this? From Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. I have longed to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips when I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. What a passion for God. That was David's passion. Is that your passion? Does that sound like your heart today? Wouldn't you love to see a world where people really wanted to go to church and worship God together. Wouldn't you like to see that kind of world? I would. Wouldn't you love to see a world 
where your children and grandchildren were not at risk every time they walked out the door of your house or turned on the internet or TV? Wouldn't you like to see a world like that? I would. Wouldn't you love to see a world where people had respect for one another and used their voices to encourage and worship and not as a fountain of hatred and filthy speech that is an offense to God and decent human beings? Wouldn't you like to see a world where parents and grandparents taught their children about Jesus and taught them to love Jesus and not taught them to hate and not taught them filthy words? Folks, I'd like to see a a world like that. Well, that's not going to happen until we have a passion for God. We need a passion for God's kingdom, and the world needs to see that passion in us. Who's going to tell them about Jesus if you don't do it? If I don't do it, the church has to do it. Does anyone in the world know, anybody around you know that you love Jesus? That you treasure Him? It is the passion for the kingdom that will make a difference. The passion to do whatever it takes to help people in our world know Jesus and accept His love and His grace. Folks, the people around us, where God has planted us, They need to see how God's rule in our lives helps us. It gives us strength. It gives us courage. It gives us hope. And it helps us love. I believe this is the biggest reason our world has become so anti-Christ. Because people do not know God. They don't know God's Word. They don't know about God's one way into His eternal kingdom. They don't know the truth of Jesus because we quit talking about it. They do not know that there's a God who will judge all men and only those who have repented of their sins and have received Jesus by faith will escape the sentence of eternal punishment for sin. They don't, for some reason, they don't get the concept. Heaven is real. Hell is real. God is real. Jesus is real. He's coming again. That's real. Most of the people in the world don't know Jesus. They're heading for punishment in hell. That ought to break our hearts. Why have we gotten so used to the lostness? Why do we act as if there's nothing we can do about it? That's what verses 47 through 50 show us. It shows us the the real judgment of God. Listen, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet, a sane net, a big net. Cast into the sea... And it gathered some of every kind. And when it was full, they drew that net to shore and they sat down and they gathered the good and they kept it, but they threw the bad away. And so it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come and separate the wicked from the just and cast the wicked into the furnace of fire where there is wailing, weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Judgment. The judgment. Heaven is real. Hell is real. God is real. Jesus is real. His judgment is real. And folks, we have the truth. We have hope in Jesus. We have a kingdom message that we need to tell. And we need to tell it. We used to talk about Jesus. Today, many Christians have become so timid, embarrassed to say anything about their Savior. Why? What is the worst thing that could happen to you for saying something about Jesus? What's the worst thing if you pull up to the drive-thru and you say, God bless you, 
What's the, what are they going to do? Dump coffee on you? No, they're not going to do that. But that's the worst thing, isn't it? What's the worst thing that could happen to you if you're at work, if you told somebody that Jesus loves them? I find my strength in Jesus. I've been through, I know you've been through a hard time. Something's happened in your life, but my friend, I believe Jesus can help you. What's the worst that they're going to do to you? The worst thing is they're going to say, I'm not interested. That's the worst thing. Is that so bad? Somebody's out there drowning in the sea, and you, and you can't get to them because you'll drown in the current, but you do have a life preserver there. And you're sitting there and you're saying, Am I, should I throw that to them or not? What's, what if they refuse it? Well, they might not even want it. I'll just leave it there and let them drown. How insensitive is that? If you saw someone in trouble, wouldn't you pick it up and throw it in? Whether they took it or not, wouldn't you try? Then why don't we try? Why don't we try today, folks? That's all I'm getting at. They might say, I'm not interested. They might say, I don't believe in Jesus. But you know what else they might say? Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what I've been needing. We need the same kind of passion for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom reign of Christ to take over and transform our lives that these treasure hunters in these parables had. We need that same kind of passion to move Paul to say, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. People of God, the stakes are too high for us to sit idly by while people we see every day are slowly slipping into hell. That's how the great preacher Charles Spurgeon felt after a mining explosion in the Welsh, Welsh village of Risca that killed over 140 men and burned many others. Spurgeon reminded those who were grieving that since death can come suddenly, we must not put off sharing the gospel with those we love, especially our children. He reminded believers that if sinners face eternal judgment, read what he said, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. His passion ought to be our passion. Amen? Spurgeon's plea was directed at believers. Believers who have known the life-giving power of the gospel. Folks, I've personally witnessed it in my own life and in the lives of many others. I've seen so many people transformed from spiritual death to life by the sharing of the gospel. Paul said, for those who believe the preaching of the cross brings the transforming power of God. Because we've experienced this power, we ought to have a passion for others to escape the terrible judgment that's to come and enter God's kingdom. We should have a kingdom passion. I know we're concerned. You're concerned here today. You're concerned you're here in church. You're concerned. I got it. We're concerned about what's going on in the world. We're concerned about the lostness around us. But when that concern turns into a passion, then we'll get moving. It'll move us to action. Jesus, the great sower, placed each of us in this field so that we could sow the good news of Jesus. 
in our world. And as we sow on all types of ground, many will reject it, but some will hear it and receive it. And those seeds of the kingdom will grow in heart produce disciples that can sow kingdom seeds in their world. That's what pray so grows about. It's about watching for opportunities. God gives us each day to sow the message and love of Jesus into the lives of others. And our passion for the kingdom will make a difference. I want to tell you something, folks. As I told you, I wrote the book, but I've been doing the book. And God has been giving me opportunities because I've been watching for them. And I have had opportunities this week to just say something for Jesus. And I've taken those opportunities. I've tried. I might have missed some, but I've taken some. And what a joy it's done in my own heart to be able to just say something for the Savior who gave everything for me. And it wasn't hard. People, I, I spoke to Cassie and Jeff and Ryan and Barbara and Devon and others, others too. And I wrote names down in the back of my Pray So Grow book so I could remember to pray for them. These people were thankful for the good news of Jesus. How many of you know there's a lot of bad news out there today? Don't you think people want to hear some good news? They do. And we've got it, don't we? when bringing people, young people, old people, rich people, poor people, good people, bad people, when bringing others into the kingdom means everything to us. When the kingdom becomes our greatest treasure, that's when our message will have its greatest impact. Yes, the kingdom is a great treasure, but so are you. So are people around you. I want to look at this par- these parables again, and, and this time think about how Jesus is the one searching for the treasure. Verse 44 again The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Well, this time the field is the world. It's all men, and the treasure is the church. It's every believer. It's you. Just as a man bought the field, so the Lord Jesus paid for the sins of the world with His own blood. Just as a man gave up everything he had to purchase the field, so Jesus, the Son of God, gave up His heavenly glory, the worship of the angels. He, he left it all to, from heaven to earth, to come to earth in a body of flesh and, and, that could die. And then He took upon Himself a cross. Jesus gave up everything, even His own life, to pay the price for all that some would be saved. You're a great treasure to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. Again, the kingdom of heaven, verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Here Jesus is the man seeking valuable pearls, and he searched through all the people of the world until he found that one person. One person that would respond and receive Him. And that person, is that's you, a pearl of great price. And Jesus gave everything for you. You are so treasured by Jesus that He would give up everything for you. That's how much He loves you. Enough to leave His kingdom and His glory and put on flesh that could die as a sacrifice for you so that you could have a way into heaven. And one day, someone loved, he used someone who loved Jesus to tell you about how 
He loved you. He died for you. He made a way into His kingdom. One day He sent someone to you and they sowed a seed. And it went into your heart and it began to grow grow as faith and you believed. And you followed Jesus. Aren't you so glad someone cared? Amen? Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is that one door which leads into the kingdom of God. There's no other door, no other way. He became the door when He suffered, bled, and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And then He opened the door to His kingdom when He rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He told His disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the hope of the church, folks. The hope of every believer a kingdom hope and today Jesus wants you to enter his kingdom and he wants you to sow these kingdom seeds with a passion that will cause others to want Jesus receive Jesus and enter his kingdom remember he's a treasure hunter and the greatest treasure that he has on earth is you and that's why our focus and our passion need to be centered on Jesus Paul wrote, if you then were raised with Christ, if you're His treasure, if you've been, if if He's coming into your, has come into your life and rules and reigns in you, then seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your focus on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, so that when Christ, who is our life, appears, you will appear with Him in glory. Today, people are passionate about a lot of things. They're passionate about homeless animals, passionate about global warming, passionate about hobbies and sports teams, and all kinds of other things in their world. But what about the kingdom that is coming? What about those treasures in the field around you? Jesus is passionate about you. Are you passionate about Him? Are the things that are important to Jesus important to you? One evening there was an old wise man sitting on his porch when a young man approached him and the young man said, Hey, how I would love to have your wisdom, understanding, and riches. Well, the sun was setting. The old man uh, said, Boy, saddle that horse. (laughs) The young man saddled the horse. The older man gave him two big saddlebags. The older man said, Get on that horse. And the young man jumped on that horse and took two big saddlebags. And the old man said, Now ride due east until you get to this big river. Get off your horse. Put the rocks from the shore in the saddlebag and be back here by the time the sun comes up. Well, the young man rode the horse all night. The young man said, You know, this is so silly. It's nighttime. I'm picking up rocks on the shore. When the young man got to the river, it was so dark. But he still, he dismounted. He put a small handful of rocks in one saddlebag. Then he got another small handful and put in the other saddlebag. That was enough for him. He had had enough. He got back on the horse again, rode the rest of the night to get back to the older man. That older man was sitting there in his rocking chair on the porch as the sun was coming up. The older man inquired, well, son, did you do as I said? The boy said, yes, sir. It was, it was dark, but I got two small handfuls of rocks. The older man said, 
Well, open the saddlebags and pour, that, pour those rocks down here at my feet. And the young man thought, well, they're just dumb old rocks. But he did as the old man instructed him. And there, when he poured them out at the old man's feet, there was two small handfuls of rocks, but they were not rocks like the young man thought. They were diamonds, gold nuggets, pearls, rubies, and valuable gems. See, it was dark. And he thought he was just picking up rocks. The older man said, you know, it's because you're lazy, apathetic, no zeal, no enthusiasm, no interest, no concern. Your don't care attitude, that's what has caused you to miss out on a great treasure. You could have had a treasure today. Why did that young man not do what he was told to do? Because it didn't make sense to him. Friends, a lot of times in life, things that God wants you to do, it might not make sense to you. But God knows what He's doing. How many of you know God always knows what He's doing? Amen? Amen. All around us, people who are, people are around us who are potential treasures for God's kingdom. Men and women, boys and girls who need Jesus. And they would receive Jesus if only someone would take time to tell them. Do you know who they are? Have you paid attention to those people Jesus loves? The Lord Jesus sowed you in a field where people are around you, where you will have opportunities to sow, but only you can take the next steps and do it. God gives you opportunities and gives you a kingdom message to sow, but to take that step and reach those people, you have to have a kingdom focus. You have to see those people like Jesus sees them as hidden treasures, and you have to have a kingdom passion and care like Jesus cares. He gave everything for you to enter His kingdom. Just what are you giving so that others may enter the kingdom with you? Let's bow. So I ask you at the beginning, what are you passionate about? How much does God's kingdom mean to you? How much does it mean to you that you are going to that kingdom? How much do you care that there are people in your world who are missing God's kingdom? You might know some of them. They might be in your own family. Until you get that kingdom focus and kingdom passion, you are not going to sow like you should, and your message is not going to impact them as it should. Do you care like Paul cared, that you want people to be saved so much that you would beg them in Jesus' name? Do you care like Charles Spurgeon cared that you would grab their legs to keep them from entering hell? What are you willing to give? Time? Effort? Are you willing to risk a little embarrassment or discomfort to give people Jesus? When you get to heaven, how many people will you see who are there because you cared enough to help them? Find the Savior. Aren't you glad someone cared enough to tell you? What does God want you to do after hearing His Word today? Well, you talk to Him about that. And maybe you're here and you need Jesus as your Savior because you've just been playing a game. You've been playing a religious game. Well, it's not a game with God. His blood was real. His suffering, His agony was real so that you could have a place in His kingdom. And if you're going to
follow Jesus, it's going to have to be real commitment. Are you willing to make it? You want Jesus in your heart more than anything? Why don't you pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood for me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me that much. I'm sorry for all the suffering you had to do because of me. And all this time, I've been rejecting you, Jesus. I'm so sorry. But I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and life and be my Savior. Right now, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I give you everything. All that I am, all that I have. I want to follow you, Jesus, no matter what that means. I want to follow you. And I want you to use me to help others get into your kingdom. If you prayed that prayer, what a great prayer. When we're singing, I'll be down here at the front if you want to talk to me about it and walk down and say, Pastor, the cameras will be off. You can say, Pastor, I ask Jesus to be my Savior, and I won't embarrass you. I'll just praise God for you and pray for you. Or maybe you're watching. Leave me a, a, a message. Leave me a, a message. Say, Pastor Donnie, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Boy, we'd love to celebrate with you on, because of that. Lord, I just praise you today. There's one way in. That's you. And Lord, I want to give you all of me today so that you can use all of me to help someone get there too. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Steve, let's sing. Stand with us as we sing together. I have decided to follow Jesus. 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 No 